the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially all of our DNVR members who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. And right now, if you go ahead and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll actually receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is infused with CBD and CBG, and now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 when you head on over to StravaCraftCoffee.com. Get it delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, however frequently that you need. On today's DNVR Rockies podcast, I, your host, Patrick Lyons, got some general news of the day yeah a lot of that's going to be about the lockout we've got some updates on baseball america's position rankings we got a couple top prospects for the rockies making these top 10 top 20 lists of course we've got the lockout business to get into and in the final half of the show we've got a one-on-one conversation with yorvis torialba son of yorvit torialba but a man in his own right who was drafted in 2019 Got to play alongside Michael Tolia, Ezekiel Tovar, even gets into detail about those players and how great they are, how excited we should actually be here in Colorado for them to come up. Even gets into his childhood in Venezuela and an incident that went down when he was only 11 years old that some of you may remember very closely, had him and his family in your thoughts and prayers. And so very impressive young man to go on and be so open and honest about his life in the way he does. Looking forward for you to all listen to that. But as I said, the news of the day, we've got spring training games now officially canceled through March 7th, and we probably are going to expect a lot more to be canceled. And opening day, still in jeopardy. We're not going to have a deal here on the MLB-imposed deadline. They are the ones who said February 28th is a deadline. All is a negotiating tactic to really make the players feel like they were up against the wall, paint them in a corner, if you will, and I don't necessarily believe that we can't have opening day any other way because I think we can. If we can get a deal done even by the end of this week, I've said it before, three weeks of spring training, I think, can be enough. It shouldn't be. (laughs) We know why spring training is six to seven weeks long, but you know what? These players, I think, are going to have to be forced to play and train for three weeks and that's unfortunate that the owners are going to you know, put them in that situation because they certainly don't deserve that in any way. And, you know, to be honest, we, we might be lucky if we get three weeks of spring training. Maybe there's only two weeks of actual games because I really do fear that we are not going to have opening day. The Players Association did come out on Monday and said, you know what? Hey, we are all ready to train in Arizona and Florida at various facilities in Arizona. That could possibly even mean at Sloan Park down there in Mesa where the Cubs train. Hohokam is not far away where Oakland typically trains. Now, keep in mind, the minor leaguers are set to report today on Tuesday, March 1st. Many of them are already down there at this point. And so, you know, I don't know how much room is left in these facilities for the players to train. But again, as the days and weeks move ahead, we'll kind of get a better idea of what these so-called facilities may look like, because I don't know if the teams themselves would actually allow the players to play on their own fields. Yes, I know this is uncharted territory 
unlike anything we've seen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit more about the lockout here in our second segment, but want to move along and say Dave Roberts, or Doc, as he's frequently known as, is in discussion right now for an extension by the L.A. Dodgers. He's in the final year of his deal. Similar situation to Bud Black. I don't think we'll see a one-year extension for Roberts like we did with Black. And granted, as we said many times before, Black coming back for one year was probably more indicative of Bud Black not necessarily wanting to stay long-term than the Rockies not wanting to have him long-term. I think Roberts and the Dodgers would both like a union to continue for a few more seasons. One, the 2020 World Series, as we know, zero questions about his ability as a manager. So we'll keep an eye on Dave Roberts and his potential extension. Also want to mention that MLB teams, it's started to come out that they are going to close off their minor league backfields during spring trainings to scouts. We still don't know quite yet what the backfield situation will be like for fans. I imagine they would still be open. Anyone who's gone down to Scottsdale to check out games at Salt River Fields, there's even been occasions. I know in, I believe it might have been in 2018, 2019, being down there for the start of spring training. And after a day game at Salt River Fields, there was a early afternoon game played on the backfield between the Rockies and Angels prospects, and rather infamously, the lights ended up going off in, in the, the middle of the of this game, right? Just as the sun had gone down and you know the game's over just like that. But on the backfields, you can just go and watch and hang out, and it's free, and it's a pretty cool event if you are already going to be down there. So I do recommend, you know what, if you're in the area, swing by one of these facilities. You, know, you might be surprised what is available to you and what you could possibly see, but it's not going to be available for scouts. And that's important to note because until the rule five draft is conducted, teams do not want to give other teams an advantage. Now the rule five draft has not gone on as it typically does. That's usually the final day at the winter meetings in December would have been December of 2021. They still did have the minor league phase of the rule five draft. So you did see a couple guys for the Rockies get poached by other teams. Again, no one that is a major prospect, but certainly someone who could contribute at a major league level. I mean, think about a guy like Dan Uglo was an all-star and was a minor league rule five player. Justin Bohr had a decent little career for a period of time was, was a very talented first baseman there. As we saw was a minor league rule five pick. So you can find some value there, but overall, these scouts, if they go, normally they're just operating from the end of the minor league season in September. Maybe you get to see a guy in Arizona Fall League. Maybe you see him at best for one week of winter ball. And that's all you've got to make a decision that this player might be able to make your 40-man roster next season. Well, a lot of time has gone by since then. Now you've gotten to see this player throughout the entire of the the entirety of the winter league. And Maybe he's packed on a couple pounds. Maybe he's dropped a couple LBs and looks a little bit more mobile. So the setup changed, and there could be some serious gems out there for the taking, Rockies included. They could go ahead and, and maybe poach a player or two, depending on what the report is, but not really going to be allowing reporting. So I don't know how exactly that's going to work if you could sneak under the radar. We know, again, it's baseball. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Is this cheating to sneak a scout onto a backfield or sneak someone on that 
is maybe somewhat of an intern to keep an eye on certain players, that's going to happen. And again, it's not going to be a deciding factor of a World Series, but make no mistake about it. Someone is going to get themselves a very good player once the Rule 5 draft goes on, and that can only happen once we have a new collective bargaining agreement. So once that goes down, a week after the CBA is signed, boom, we'll have that Rule 5 draft. On to those position rankings for Baseball America. They're doing a fun little thing where they're ranking by the positions. We all know the top 100 prospects. We have the guys who just missed. We have each team's top 30 prospects. But hey, if you're only seeing a couple Rockies players in the top 100, what about just on the outskirts? That's maybe where a Benny Montgomery might show up. And now when you break it, break it down by position, you begin to see, hey, you know what? Actually, there's a couple more players on the cusp, I think, again, depending on what happens in 2022, depending on what happens this season, there's a chance we could see upwards of four players on top 100 lists next year. I think that's that's very reasonable. Very, very reasonable. One of those guys is Michael Tolia, a player who should be starting at AA, did get up with the Yard Goats in the second half last year, participated in the Arizona Fall League. He was ranked the fourth best first base prospect in all of the game. Does that necessarily translate to him being a pro and becoming the fourth best first baseman in the game? No, not necessarily because we know players are prospects for maybe four years, give or take, maybe five years. But you can play in the majors for double, maybe even triple that amount of time. We also know that there's going to be players who might past Tolia in the depth chart, or really players who are third basemen that eventually move over to first base. Because first base isn't necessarily a position kids uh, grow up dreaming about playing, right? You want to play shortstop. Maybe you want to catch. You want to pitch. You want to roam around in center field. But eventually over time, look, if you don't have much positional flexibility, you might be stuck over at first base. But I like where Tolia is at right now. I was disappointed to a degree that he was not named best defender. That award, if you will, did go to Nick Prado of Kansas City, a a player who is a top 100 prospect, is the same age as Tolia, but he was drafted two years prior, also a first-round draft pick. However, it was out of high schools, had a lot more consistent power. Uh, But again, we know that defensively, Tolia is fantastic. And you'll hear in a little bit from Jorvis that Tolia has a gold glove in his future over at first base. At the catcher spot, Drew Romo ranked 13th out of their top 20. Most positions are only going 10 deep, but catcher goes a little deeper. Best part about it, though, Drew Romo named best defender in all of minor league baseball. The quote from Baseball Reference is as such, quote, Romo earned raves in high school as the best defensive catcher to come out of the draft in years and lived up to the hype in his pro debut. His soft hands, smooth footwork, clean transfer and pinpoint throwing accuracy all give him the appearance of a big league catcher, despite the fact he's yet to play above low A. If Romo can clean up his blocking a tick, he has multiple gold gloves in his future, end quote. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Very excited to see that. We know Rockies have not produced a all-star catcher. It's actually fairly hard to do. Go around and look at the other expansion teams from the 90s. There is maybe about one. Mike DeFelice I keep coming back to. I think he ended up sneaking on. He might have been the lone Tampa Bay Devil Ray at the time. But really, you know, the list has been ho-hum. But 
On top of that, you say, well, have any of them at least won a gold glove? No, have have not even won that. And, and Drew Romo could be the guy that really breaks the mold. And you know what? Even if he doesn't live up to the hype, he's still going to be fantastic. Think about John Gray. Think about John Gray or when he was drafted, Jonathan Gray. And did he actually live up to the hype? I think you could say no. But I also would think you'd have to say he goes down as one of the best starting pitchers in franchise history. You can be both of those things. And for Drew, for Drew Romo, maybe he doesn't ascend to that height that we may think he is going to at some point here in the next couple seasons once he reaches the majors. But that's okay because he can still go down as one of the greatest, if not the number one best catcher in franchise history when it's all said and done. And what you have to say and what you have to do is get on down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York. Cash in with that member-sized beer if you are signed up to the DNVR.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month. Exclusive articles on the Nuggets, Avs, Rams, Buffs, Broncos. We've got it all covered. Rugby, soccer, golf. It is going down. And you know what? If you're ready to go all in with an annual membership, the big perk is you get a free shirt. Any of the shirts that we've got in our store, any of them, you get it free at dnvrlocker.com when you are a member. And when you're down at the bar, of course, get yourself a Breckenridge Brewery beer. It's the official beer of DNVR. And it's also the official hard seltzer. It's their good company hard seltzer. Now available at the DNVR bar and now available anywhere you pick up your fine liqueurs, King Supers, Costco, Safeway, just about anywhere. You get a 15-can sampler so you can figure out what you enjoy most. It's fantastic. And even beyond that, it's fantastic to mention that they do donate some of their profits to the National Parks Conservation Association to help prevent forest fires. They've been doing this for a while now, too. So you're always in good company and in good co, CO, with good company hard seltzer by Breckenridge Brewery. And if you're having a hard time sleeping these days, let's face it, there is a lot of bad things going down in our world. A lot of great things too. We know it. But if the bad things seem to weigh you down and your mind is just racing at night, there's an option for you. And it's Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies. You can get them at your local Colorado Premier Dispensary Light Shade. They've got 10, soon to be 11 locations in the Denver metro area. With Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies, you're going to feel rested and refreshed without those powerful drugs that you get over the counter that leave you in a fog. Not the case. My parents have been going hard on these bad boys. They say they take it and in five to 15 minutes, eyelids start to feel a little bit heavy. Thanks to that hint of THC, the 10 milligrams of CBD. And I definitely noticed a difference in the morning with them. They're in a much better mood. They have a lot more energy throughout their day. Make sure you order your Wana Optimals Fast Asleep Gummies at lightshade.com and get 25% off with code DNVR. Use code DNVR at any of Lightshade's 10 Denver metro area locations. I do also want to mention that there were no second basemen on the top 10 list for the Rockies and Baseball America's top 20 players. Nobody on the defensive end of the spectrum. But again, second base, similar to first base, isn't a position that's a true spot. Players end up there. I mean, think about a guy like Aaron Schunk, who was a third baseman in college, also was a closer, but ends up having to move over to second base 
Okay, not a natural position. Isaac Collins, middle infielder, that's done a nice job. All right, like like what he's been doing. He gets a, a, a couple shout-outs. I think Yorvis goes into him as well. Another one of those teammates from the Boise Hawks. Coco Montez, again, a career shortstop, playing ball there at the University of South Florida. And, and a shortstop in Adele Amador, who we might see end up eventually moving over to second base. So that's quite all right. And hey, for right now, we've got a pretty darn good one in Brendan Rogers playing second base, holding down the fort. So again, you can't be on every top 10 list. That's quite all right. But what's not all right, unfortunately, is the lockout updates. Again, today was su- supposed to be the day, or rather February 28th on Monday was supposed to be the day. Today should have been the day that we all got back to work or all got back to thinking more positively about baseball. That's not going to happen. I don't know when it is going to happen. Now, if you head on over to the DNVR.com on Monday, did release an article all about a general update on where things stand in the lockout. It's actually a crossover with our buddies over at PHNX Diamondbacks with Jesse Friedman got together. It's a new series that we should have every month called On the Corner because, as you may know, Arizona and Colorado, they meet on the corner. And so that's where we met, talking all things lockout, where do things land, You know, why should you pay attention to this, will it get better, are we going to miss opening day? You can check that out. But I will, I will disclose some of the things that are in that article, basically that the players, you know, they've lost the last two CBAs. The one from 2011, not as bad as this most recent one where the hard cap, or rather the soft cap, became a real cap, right? We, we know that there's a salary cap in the other major sports, and baseball doesn't have that, but baseball is getting closer and closer to having that, and that's not necessarily a good thing because the revenue sharing and the way that the economic system is set up is very much different than what you have in the other sports. And so if there's going to be a legitimate salary cap, then the way players are paid has to be different. And that's not the case right now. Owners are keeping all that additional money. And the players, they're not looking for a lot. And yet the owners are not budging one bit as if they are asking for a lot. The two fronts is basically that they want their younger players to get paid and they want to make sure that the soft salary cap doesn't get hardened. And, you know, they might be lucky to, to get one of those two things. And they've already kind of backed down from the pre-arbitration pool and the Super 2 status for those young players. Now, the reason they want the young players to get paid is partially because, look, just the general cost of living wages should increase. And they will get an increase, but it should be even more than what it currently is. And there are reasons behind that as far as shuttling players back and forth to the minors. As I've mentioned on the podcast before, hey, you know what? If you use five to six rookie relievers, which the Rockies did, now that's one to two less veteran pitchers you got to pay guaranteed money to. So they can save money because the minimum wage is so low for these young players. But there's also the dynamic that, look, if the veteran players aren't going to get paid, which has always been the system, Right. Finally, once you get out from club control, now you can get paid. And yeah, teams are probably going to overspend and maybe you're not going to earn your money. You're going to try to, but you might not earn your money exactly. But that's the time that you get paid. And that's not happening now with wages going down. So, you know what? Let's make sure these young guys get paid 
in the interim. And the other element to it, again, as I said, is that salary cap situation, especially because if there's going to be a cap with how much you know teams can't go over, now they can, but it's going to be a very huge tax and teams are not going to be willing to go over that number a lot, especially because those overages are going to get spread out to the other teams. So they're giving their opponents more money. They're putting more money in their pockets. We've talked about it on this podcast for years, the idea that some of these small market teams like Pittsburgh in particular, they, they could have no one show up to their ball games and they've already turned a profit. They've already turned a profit because of the way revenue sharing works right now in MLB. I haven't heard it that much because I think people understand. I think people get it and they understand what's going on in these dynamics with the owners. You're going to get upset at the players at a certain point, no doubt about it, because all they got to do is snap their fingers and sign a contract, sign a new CBA, and we've got baseball back. And that doesn't really solve the problem, but it solves our problem of wanting the baseball to be there for us. And so that, that day will come when people will get frustrated. But I think at the end of the day, we understand what's going on with the owners. And, you know, when the players get a finger pointed at them, you say, ah, Garrett Cole, Max Scherz, look at these $300 million guys representing the union. Like this sets a bad precedence. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think these players are the ones who are putting their money where their mouth is. Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer are, are set to lose $200,000 a day. A day. How many years do you out there listening to this have to work to make that kind of money? They're going to lose that per day that the season does not go down. And so they're giving up a lot. In a week, they are giving up basically a career earning for most players in Major League Baseball. If you get three years in the league making minimum salary at half a million dollars, whatever it is, $1.5 million for your career over the course of a decade plus of going back and forth to the minors where you're not making any money. So these guys are putting their money where their mouth is. You may have a problem with the fact that five of the eight representatives are Boris clients. That's fine. That doesn't have to do with money. That's to do with Scott Boris, and that's different. But think about this. For those players that are representatives for the MLBPA, for them, it's not about the money. As I pointed out with the fact that they're going to lose so much of it. To them, it's about their legacy to a degree, but more importantly, keeping the union together and making the Players Association better for future generations because they already have generational wealth, but their peers don't. They don't. And, and here's another way that I know it's not exactly about money for those players that are representatives for the Players Association. It's not exactly about them or their money. Again, it's about the union's money, but it's not exactly about that. Because look, look at, look at it this way. A lot of athletes are retiring early and they are leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table. Buster Posey, gone. Ian Desmond, he didn't even turn down money in free agent contracts. He had the deal and just ultimately decided to stay home. In the NFL, it's rampant. Andrew Luck, 30 years old. Calvin Johnson, 30 years old. From a previous era, Barry Sanders, also of the Lions. Jim Brown, legendary Hall of Famer, 30 years old. Parlayed that into an acting career, among other endeavors. Terrell Davis, 29. The list goes on and on and on. It's about quality of life. And once you can earn a certain amount of it, it, it's no longer about that money. It's about what you can do to help other people. And 
I think right now those that are representing the Players Association, they are trying to help the majority. They're trying to help those players that aren't getting paid rightfully, that are not justly getting paid and compensated for their time because we know the struggle in the minor leagues and what they're getting paid. They can't, they can't necessarily do that. They can't take up a cause for the minor leaguers because they're not a part of the Players Association. That's so far outside of their scope. It's so far outside. Eventually, maybe that happens. But until then, they need to be paid fairly. Again, look at a guy like Tiki Barber for the New York Giants, retired young, and had an opportunity to make $50 million in broadcasting. Troy Aikman recently just received a five-year, $90 million deal that is nearly double his entire playing career. So not all players can retire early, only those who've made money. And the fact that they are taking money from out their own banks and food off their own table for their family, yeah, of course, it's, it's you know, filet mignon, lobster. We're, we're talking, again, $300 million players. But for those guys to be out in front, the ones who are going to lose the most money, I think that says a lot about the players. I think that says a lot about what they are trying to do and how serious they are. And again, I think that's going to, the entire situation is not great. And we're slowly starting to hear more and more folks say, I don't think I said this on, the, on our podcast. I did say it on the Denver Sports Podcast that June could be, June could be when we get something done. Crazy, right? June. June is what I've heard from a couple of different sources. You never know. You never know. And, and, and I hope that's not the case. But that wouldn't be shocking if we did not have baseball back until June. We'll have news every day about negotiations and we'll have minor league baseball on April 5th, opening night. Albuquerque Isotopes open up in Oklahoma City to take on the OKC Dodgers. We'll have that. So we'll have different ways to fill the void. But it could be until June. And I had March 14th as the day I thought the CBA would finally get signed and, and when we would have that press release because I just knew that talk is talk. And when you really look at the evidence of these two sides not liking each other and what each side is trying to accomplish, they want to accomplish two totally different things. And neither side just wants to meet in the middle. As easy as that would be and as much as we want them to just meet in the middle, and I think that in many ways is a win-win for both sides. If they do meet in the middle, neither side wants to do that. Neither side wants a perceived draw in any way. And we are all the bystanders of that, unfortunately. But thankfully, most of you out there, you're not having your income impacted by this lockout, which is great, which means spring market, the housing market, real estate, guess what? You can still go about your business and not have to wait for a commissioner or for a players association or for 30 major league owners to come around so you can worry about your finances. You don't have to do that. What you have to do though is contact Chevalier Mortgage because their ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. My parents just bought a new home, moved from New Jersey to Colorado couldn't have done it without Chevalier Mortgage, right? The cool thing that they also do is if you're even thinking about moving, just contact them. Get a free consultation because you can make the bubble work for you by selling your home 
and, and using that natural equity to get something much bigger, much better, much closer to your work, much less stressful. All you got to do is go to dnvrmortgage.com and you can actually enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And again, get that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Call Virginia directly at 303-258-6578 or just visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Joining me today is a very special guest. Rockies minor leaguer, part of Rockies royalty, really, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, Yorvis Torrealba. How are you doing, Yorvis? Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. I'm doing great. Just getting ready for this new season. Come, come along. Feeling good to go. How are you doing? Doing well. Can't wait to get out of the snow of Colorado and, and down to, to Arizona. Yeah, it's it's baseball season, and, and you're gonna yeah. get a chance to do that, which which is so fantastic. Like you said, you, you've got to be really excited to just get back on the ball field again after no, a no, long off season. Yeah, hundred percent excited to get over there. Supposed to be getting to Arizona this weekend, and just excited to get things rolling. Well, obviously, most people recognize your last name uh, for your father, Yorvit Torrealba. First off, how's your father doing these days? He's all he's right. He's doing great. Yeah, he's doing good. Just chilling, working as an agent now. He's doing great. Yep. Nice. And I know, and I've heard you talk about having some memories even before he was with the Rockies. I think you kind of recollect a little bit of, of that time in, in San Francisco and even watching Barry Bonds play, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember that thing like it was yesterday. I was young. I was a baby. I was probably like, what, four years old. But I mean, can't forget about those things. They're great. Yeah. And we got kind of got in touch because we had put something out on social media about the 2007 you know, race to Rocktober in the World Series, and yeah. it, it got you fired up a little bit. And I love yeah, that. Yeah. What, what are some of your memories of that season, either as you lived it or looking back on it now in highlights? It was crazy. I mean, it was probably, like, the one reason why I actually became, like, a Rockies fan, like, that year. Like, my dad obviously had played with different teams. But the Rockies got me with that one year in 2007. That run was just unbelievable. And to see my dad and, you know, be a part of that, see the – fans in Denver, how we're all fired up for that. It was just something great to watch. And yeah, I remember that wild card game. Like it was just, it's probably the best game I've ever been to in my life. And Matt, and you probably had a really good view to see Matt Holiday touch home plate too, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I saw yes. that. <laughs> Excellent. There we go. It's You can't question it now yeah. Yeah. anymore. Your father had such a great career. I think people might even forget that he was also in the 2011 world series with Texas as well. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in that Texas team. Very good team as well. Now, growing up as a ball player yourself, let's talk about your career because you, you've had a really solid one so far. I mean, playing ball down in Florida, you played with a couple dudes at Stoneman Douglas High School that I think people know pretty well. Yeah, no, it was – grew up in, a, you know, like those high schools. I went to American Heritage first where Coach Fitz had – was the head coach there and then went to Stoneman Douglas as well. And, yeah, we had Colton Walker, Jesus Luzardo, dudes that are still playing and they're in the big leagues now. It's unbelievable. Sick. How, how great is it to see those guys really flourish and finally – because minor leagues is a slog. Like, you got to play for a yeah. while to really get your chance. And they're finally getting those opportunities. Yeah, no, it's good. It's motivation, you know, seeing Walker done what he's done, seeing Luzardo done what he's done. And they're all dudes I went to high school with uh, are living the dream in the big leagues. It's definitely motivation. It just motivates me to get to that level and keep working. 
Yeah. Before before coming to America, now you're like you're a very positive person. You've been very open and honest about your childhood in, in Venezuela and, and how it's kind of helped you be a lot more grateful and, and have gratitude. And I was just hoping you could just share a little bit about that time before, you know, moving to Florida. Yeah, well, what happened, a lot of people know what happened. I got kidnapped back in 2009. Um, it was definitely a life-changing experience, you know, like I said before, it kind of changed my perspective in life. You know, I got to, to, to taking, how do I say the word? Like just, you know, like appreciate th things a little bit more. And, you know, it was obviously like a dark part of my time, but I got over it. And then, like I said, like I live life every single day, just trying to be happy, look at the little things, appreciate every single little thing. Yes. As much as Colorado is a part of the fabric of your life and, and, and how much you love the organization. Yeah. I, I think, and you probably already know this, that people in Colorado and Denver and Rockies fans, you're a part of them too, because obviously a lot of well wishes, a lot of prayers and, and blessings were sent out to you. And so I, it's, it's wonderful. Not only that you, you are safe and sound, but that you've got this positive perspective as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate it a lot. Even that 2009, I remember the NLDS against the Phillies. They actually had me come out there for the game three. I think it was and throw out the first game in front of all the fans and they all greet me very well. And I felt that support. So that's why once again, like I do have that different type of love for the Rockies and ever since I was 11, 10 years old. Yeah, you got to play some ball uh, most recently at, at the University of Tampa and you know, great division two school. You guys even, you know, won the division two championship that year. Yeah. A big win over a team from Colorado, Colorado yeah. Mesa. I mean, Talk a little bit about what, what that team in particular was like at University of Tampa because, it's, again, sneaky good school that doesn't get a lot of attention. It was unbelievable, to be honest. I mean, being in Tampa is probably the best thing that has happened in my life, in my baseball life so far. Um, Coach Urso, Jose Jimenez, and Sam over there, they do a great job of, you know, getting us ready to be on the professional level. We run everything pretty smooth. The whole program is just – it's a great program. Like, there's nothing I can say – wrong about it and um just being there you know it was a team that we just had a bunch of guys that were hungry to get some championship and everything and we just went out there and got it done honestly like we had some talent and it was more like a family so we just kind of you know grouped together and we're like hey let's get this this thing done and we got it done it was fun to watch yeah a lot of similarities between that club and and the 2017 where they were just yep. so close i mean yep. the 17 and 18 Colorado Rockies are the same where they they grew up together and they just clicked it's yeah. it's one of those things where it, it's hard to really put it into words but when you've got the chemistry that can that can make exactly. for a lot of few yeah. extra wins right yeah we got hot at the right time and we just kept that feeling kept the rolling and won the whole thing and I think Kevin Pimentel pitched in that championship game and also ended up playing with you on the Rockies too yeah right? correct yeah he was he was our dude he was our ace over there in Tampa and he was always come through for us there's, you know, every single time he was in the mound, we're like, all right, like we got Kevin in the mound, we're good. When when you saw that the finals was going to be against Colorado Mesa, it, was it again one of the one of those moments of man, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, Colorado is going to be there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I had just gotten drafted a few days before, and then we go into the finals against Colorado Mesa, and it was just like, okay, like you know, like wow, like so much Colorado these past couple heads, a uh, couple days in my head. But it was fun. They had a great team. You know, they had a guy, I, I believe he was a freshman at the time that we faced. He was pretty good. And it was a great game. It was a great game. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that draft and, uh, and becoming a pro. But, again, playing baseball in Florida, 
I think people in Colorado understand this because we get plenty of snow, but is it, a, is it basically that you have a bat in your hand every day growing up because it's always so sunny out? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I think it's been like that for the past, what, eight years of my life since I moved here to South Florida. It's just pretty much practice every single day. And just, I mean, that baseball atmosphere around here in South Florida is just it's unbelievable. You know, the competition here is great. It's fun. It's fun to grow up and play high school baseball here in South Florida. At this point in your career as a pro, I imagine in the off season, there may actually be benefit to not literally having a bat in your hand every day. Like just, just stepping aside, getting your brain, you know, thinking differently, still exercising and whatnot. Do you, have you found that that's, you know, helpful to, to the growth of a ball player, almost not playing a little bit right away when the season ends? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, you, there's a lot, it's a seven month season long or something like that. You know, it's a lot, it takes a lot physically and mentally to get through it. So yeah, the first couple, maybe two weeks, you know, you just have that stage where you just want to, you know, like go, go to the beach, you know, hang out with your boys, hang out with your family and stuff like that. Just take that little, you know, week and a half, two weeks away from baseball and then get back into things, lock it back in. But you definitely need that, you know, that couple weeks break. Make sure you head on over to the DNVR.com for all of our exclusive content with all of Denver's major sports teams. It's only 50 cents for your first month. You get a member-sized beer when you're down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York. That includes Breckenridge Brewery beers, and we even have their good company hard seltzers. And even if you're not at one of our watch parties for Nuggets, Avalanche, Broncos, whatever at the DNVR bar, Hoops fans, got to check out DraftKings Sportsbook where you can bet $1 to win $150 in free bets when using code DNVR. So dreams come true. You get drafted in 2019. And as you said, right as you're about to hit that championship game, I imagine it must have been hard to sleep that night, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, you just said it. You nailed it. Um, it was just, you know, a bunch of thoughts in my head. Like, wow, like I just got drafted by the Rockies. You know, like all the memories, the flashbacks went back on. You know, like what I was talking about, the 2007 the 2009, you know, my dad pretty much just growing up in Curtis Field because my dad was at the time with the Rockies. It was just unbelievable. It's like, okay, like now I get to experience it as a player, not as a your Victoria son, you know. So it was definitely, it was definitely, you know, it was awesome. What when you think back about that time with with your father and being at Coors Field, who were those guys that you would love to just stop? and watch take batting practice. And it, it it was a show. It was entertainment. It was worth the price of admission just to watch them take BP. Um, honestly, at that age, all of them. <laughs> all of them. But um, Cargo, I remember Cargo, just his swing. Like, I still believe he has probably, like, you know, the best left-handed swing in baseball. Um, Tula was impressive. Um, Todd was just a flat-out professional hitter. So that was very special to watch. Um, yeah, honestly, like I told you, like at that age, I was just trying to take a little bit from every single one of those guys because it was unbelievable. Yeah, those those are three of the best. So you exactly. you got spoiled a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. We can say that. <laughs> sure, that's a good thing. You so you go to Boise now up up there in Idaho, and you do the bus circuit again. Being a professional ball player, I think people just see it as the gift. But there's a curse too, right? There's a there's a good side, there's a bad side about riding around the buses. But you had a lot of really good teammates there, hoping you could share some some insight on them, particularly you know Michael Tolia and the power that that he was able to flash immediately there in, in Boise. No, Tolia's a special player, man. I mean, I was actually just texting him a day ago. Uh, he's a very special player, you know. He has switch hitter, 
Pop from both sides of the place. He's going to be a gold glover in the big leagues one day. I guarantee that. He's a special player to watch. You know, and just seeing him in Boise, the way that he went about his business, it was, it was pretty special to watch. And then you have a guy who is probably like everybody's baby brother at that point, Ezekiel Tovar. Comes, comes and plays with you guys at 17 years old. He's almost four years younger than, than league average. But what did you see from that? early age on on his potential there at shortstop another switch hitter Toby Toby's special man I mean honestly when I got there he was 17 like you said and just I didn't believe it at first I was like how is this kid 17 and doing all these things like you're not supposed to be doing those things at 17 years old you know and I mean yeah like you said like that's my little brother and he's, he's gonna go a long way I really believe he's gonna go a long way he works hard he has he has every tool that you can think of He's a special player. A couple other guys, too, that you know people might not know quite as well, but again, you playing with them, you got to see them firsthand. Might, might have even faced them in, in scrimmages on the pitching side. Finn Del Bonta Smith, Brailing Eusebio, Reagan Todd, guy who did pitch at Colorado Mesa, and Isaac Collins. I mean, any of those guys, I know you don't want to leave anybody out, but just of those guys that I asked, you know, who do we really need to keep an eye out on? And, and it, it might be a lot better than. Than, than people realize, I would say. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep an eye on Isaac. To be honest, he's, he's a very special player. Like I said, switch hitter again. And even when he got to Boise, I could tell you know he had confidence in himself. He's, he's gonna be a good, a very good player. You know, can play in the infield, can play in the outfield, and he can run too. I mean, he, he has, he has, he has the tools. You know, to make it to the big leagues. Um, he's very good. Eusebio, very good lefty too. You know, he's been under the radar. He's been battling some stuff, but he's great, great pitcher too, I think, I believe. Um, the Bonta Smith, he was actually my roommate in, Tampa, in, in Boise. And um, he's pretty good. I mean, a lot of people, like you said, like he's maybe under the radar, like they don't know a lot about him, but he gets it done. He's a very good player. Um, who, who else? Oh, Reagan. Reagan, he's proved again, you know, he was in double A, I believe, this year. And he's gonna he's gonna go a long way too. Yeah. Then you go into what would have been your first full season in 2020, and little thing happens called the pandemic. How how rough was that from the aspect of not, you know, being able to play games? I imagine from like the first time since you were like five years old, or even really just get the training that you would typically need at the ballpark. It was tough. It was definitely tough, you know, especially me. That was going to be my first full pro year. So I was definitely looking forward to that. You know, I wanted, I struggled a little bit my first year in Boise. So I wanted to, you know, get it going and have a bounce back year. So when the um, COVID happened, it was just tough because, like, you know, like now you have another year without playing. You don't know what to expect. You come into 2021, like, okay, we're finally here, but we just missed a whole year, you know. So it was tough, but I mean, you just had to stay strong mentally, you know, keep working and keep getting better every single day. I've heard some players say that it was positive in some ways. Again, gift and a curse, mm -hmm. but it was positive where they got to work on maybe some of the holes in their game or exactly. focus on certain areas. Was that true for you where, yeah, you know, you, you're definitely able to make the best out of it? Yeah, 100 percent. Like I said, like, you know, maybe there was things I needed to get cleaned up for spring training that wasn't ready to go last, um, during that year. And that whole year here made me, you know, keep getting better, keep working at it. And everything happens for the best. So, you know, I just took us, let me keep working, let me keep working. Then when time goes, I'm ready. Last year, you got to play in the Arizona Complex League. The first time that the Rockies actually had a club 
in that league. And that was really almost like uh, the short season. It was, it was similar to what, what Boise was. Yeah. It went out a lot of really great players there, but the, the cool thing I, that I love most about what the Rockies have down there in the ACL is that you've got players on rehab from the big league club coming down. So you actually, again, got to see your, your buddy Welker, Eric Stamets was there, Jonathan Daza. How cool was that having the big guys come in, even if it was only for one game or so just to kind of see how they operate. It was awesome. It was awesome. You know, I spent a lot of time with Daza since he's an outfielder. Um, just talking to him, you know, about the game was, you know, unbelievable. You have guys like him, like Brendan Rogers, like you said, um, just talking to them, you know, that three, four or five days that they're there, talking to them about, you know, certain things. And it definitely gets you a long way. You know, it, it helps you get better. So it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. Did Daza try to give you any style tips? I know he's he's can be a flashy guy. Did yeah, he hey, I gotta, he's got swag. I got to give it to him. But, yeah, you know, he, he loves looking good. So that's good. He's got that confidence. Yes, that he does. And he definitely deserves to have it, too. The heat in Arizona at that point, too. That was, I have to imagine, a, a factor. How, how bad is that heat in the middle of summer playing those games? It was tough. Uh, I mean, I knew a lot of people told me like, "Hey, it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be hot." But actually, when I got to experience it, it was it was pretty hot over there. Yeah, it gets like one fifteen, one ten. It's six o'clock, seven o'clock. You're about to start the game, and they're inning in. You're sweating. You're like, it, it's yeah, it's bad because that yeah, dry heat too. So it was tough. Yeah, you're but exposed yeah, I mean, out at, there now. At the end, you kind of just get used to it and just keep going. I think you did get used used to it, sure, because you know you're in the middle of the lineup. You know, had third most RBI on the team. You know, you were you were able to to do a good job in that transition around around your team. Talk about you know the success that that club had. You guys had the best record in the Arizona Complex League last year. Um, you know what? It comes back to the chemistry. Like I said about Tampa, the chemistry. We're brothers. We became together really fast. You know, after extend the head first couple of games, we knew. We had talent. We knew we were kind of, we would play with that swagger, like, you know, like we're the best team out there. So, like, it was all confidence. It was chemistry. Like, you know, everybody got along with each other. And we just showed up every single day and got our work done. couple more little brothers I have to ask you about. Adele Amador, Benny Montgomery. Uh, get get Rockies fans a little bit hyped up on those two guys. Amador is like my little son, man. He's going to be, he's going to be good. He's going to be great. Um, I talk to him a lot, you know, he's, he's going to be a special player, switcher once again, shortstop, you know, he's still got room to grow. Um, he's going to be pretty special in the following years. Benny, Benny's, Benny's good. Benny, I mean, God give it to him. The kid's six, four, 17 years old, 18, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, he's gonna, he's got the tool. He can hit, he can run, he can throw from the outfield. He's, he's a very special player. I haven't had a chance to talk with him yet, but from, what he's put out on social media, he seems like a goofball in a great way. I mean, in a positive way, like he has a really good sense of humor. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't mind letting it out. Nah, yeah, for sure. But he's getting that confidence. You know, we kind of got him last year to get into that circle with us, you know, mess around a little bit. He's a man. He's funny. Yeah. Uh, finally, warming Bernabeu. How the bat is good. How's the defense over there at third base? He's good. He's actually he's very good defensively. You know, I feel like he can play third base in the, in the big leagues. Um, his bad, you know, his numbers speak for himself. Like he had a great year down there in the ACL. Um, uh, he's going to be, once again, another prosper, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be good in the following years. 
any pitchers we got to keep our eye out for? I know Zach Bayoun did, did really well. Brian Castillo. Again, a whole cast of guys that yeah. that you could touch on they, that had a lot of success. Yeah, yeah. No, our pitching staff was great this year, to be honest, in the ACL. We had guys just stepping up every single day and doing their work. Yorvis, this has been fantastic, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, everyone's already rooting for you. But now the entire DNVR family uh, are big uh, Yorvis Torrealba fans. You got to let us know as soon as possible once you get that number. So we can we can all get our customized jerseys with uh, your number on. Good. I thank you. I appreciate it. Once Let's again, thank you for having me here. Thank you so and much I for your appreciate time. Appreciate it a lot. Yep. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you.